0: hope, heroism, and hedonism. Aspirational beauty, reading poetry, being in lock time, the time to be inspired, that's kind of what you hanker after when you're in confinement. I was hungry for beauty. I was hungry to express myself. The idea of producing this collection and subsequently how it will be communicated came to me really during the lockdown period and in confinement and the realization that one was at the mercy of nature which filled me with anguish and fear and anxiety so i applied some learnings that i've had the good fortune to to be shown how to use in, in the past, and there was kind of like a mourning period. Once I accepted that, I embraced this kind of unknown future with a vigor that I've not felt for some time. I guess this power within me, this feeling that nothing would stand in the way of the creative process drove me. I thought it would be a wonderful time to reinforce the ethics of Meza of everything we stand for, and to record it in some way that would appeal to Generation Y and Z as well. And then the idea that the process work, which sometimes we're not all privy to it. The tarlatans, the toiles, the, the creative process and how that becomes the final outfit in an artisanal collection. So I could illustrate where we stand on uh, sustainability or retrograde. I could perhaps illuminate by showing how I express myself through charity shop finds or the anonymity of the lining that has given so much to me and this house, and it's so autobiographical. It's almost like how I felt when I came here. I wanted to be as anonymous as the lining. I wanted to show an example of prints with a purpose. It's that fabulous red dress, the red lip, the Zoom party. We still want to express ourselves. And the wet look, the suppression of painstakingly pinned, tucked fabric under circular cut jerseys and embracing the circular cutting as well my stance on gender that you would see that that people would actually see that i fit dresses on anton and i fit suits on nikki it suddenly became very appealing to me as a form of communication i mean if this works as a blueprint this could be a new way for mesa margela to communicate long term I wanted to be transparent with the process work. We discussed it with my teams. That's when the idea of working with Nick Knight came up because of our past relationship, continued relationship. He's a gentleman, so for me to embrace this whole idea, I had to do it with someone that I trusted. And then I knew that my team who often follow me blindly would know that if I trusted the situation, they too would trust me and they would feel comfortable. From the beginning of this collection, we have been recording, even in lockdown. And uh, after delivering the brief, um, I encouraged everyone to record themselves working from home whether they were expressing 3D challenges in their garage or on their kitchen table or uh, on their terraces. And then of course, when we slowly but surely came back to the house, then Nick advised on the most comfortable way for me to be recorded. I think the first 48 hours were a little bit, we were very conscious, but then he did it in a way that we very soon forgot it was fun at the beginning and then actually we i mean we've been filmed by cct cameras we've been filmed from the buildings across the road or from the church we've had gopros (laughs) i don't know i wonder if anyone's actually ever seen couture filmed by gopro and for sure never a GoPro on gypsy on a dog in the fitting. <laughs> it just occurred to me. The team and myself we had GoPros on our heads, GoPros on our chest, bullet mites coming in from the window, re- recording kind of sentiments. There are all manners of, of drones flying in and out the fittings and around and above us. Thermal camera often used for military exercises filming the whole creative process using different applications which was an amazing way of working because it could inform me how I could swatch and allocate fabrics to some of those outfits so along with that so there's the story of the collection and that's set within the story of a thriller. I rather like the grammar of a thriller to punctuate this story, because I thought that would make it more appealing rather than just doing like a masterclass, you know what I mean, like, oh, yawn. And honestly, when you're researching a collection, it is like a thriller, you know, the dead ends or the things that you discover um, as you're researching and wanted you to experience what it felt to be transparent in the creative process. It was like a violation. That's why the idea of being miked or bugged and recorded from the outside or filmed through cameras that you were unaware of, this very voyeuristic point of view. So just to help me set the tone, It's a new medium for me working in this way and I guess I'm applying my love of theatre and film, you know, to to the process. It was a movement called The New Romantics um, which happened in London and coincided with the closing down of a theatrical costumier called Charles Fox. I believe it was in Endall Street or around there in Covent Garden. And of course all the... Amazing students from St. Martin's at the time ran there um, along with characters like Princess Julia, Steve Strange, Kim Bowen, um, Melissa Kaplan, and, and brought up everything that there was and kind of worked it into looks that they would wear to a club known as the Blitz, which was near Holborn. It was Thatcher's years. Again, we were feeling. Compressed? uh, Suppressed? So, of course, this was a place for hedonism. And boy, did we see some looks in there. So these guys were aspiring to Jungle jab. Kenzo. Lynn Franks was one of the first to actually bring the clothes of Claude Montana to London back in the day. It's kind of the late 70s, so that high gloss, that energy, Spando Ballet, performing live in the early days hankering all of us after the looks i mean i would put myself in the best way but i mean nothing like kim Barron would be looking like queen elizabeth the first stephen leonard would look like a russian emigre they were ruling but ruling you can't imagine the looks amazing i was very very young so I would kind of be a little bit in awe. Plus, I couldn't go every week. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> I had really thick, thick hair, uh, which I'd learned to blow-dry myself and condition myself. But I was blessed with gorgeous hair. So I had a wedge, very Sassoon, kind of shaved, undercut, and that fringe, which... You know, it would be blow-dried and then I'd lie back on the bed and kind of brush it to get it all in the right direction and then, yes, a little misty spray of something to keep it under control. And you just wiped it and you wiped it left, right, left, right. That was kind of the look. So, trying to create that energy that I felt we could find through a further exploration of the reticler, the idea of creating with what you could get your hands on and also for me to show that the creative process and one of our beliefs in uh, sustainability is to give an item another life to not have to incur challenges with production or source material or the whole food chain, recycling, upcycling. Then I discovered this incredible moment. Early 20th century. And it happened just round round the corner from it dans l'ancier. It was a dance that was, it was quite masochistic dance called La Pache. So it's something that happened around here where couples would dance, but in a very violent way, they would be thrown across rooms and through tables and almost athletic and there was rips in their clothes. There was a journalist who, there was some kind of street brawl on the street, knives and all that was going on and, and he was reporting on it and he was a fan of Native Americans and so he called this dance, which was also adopted in America, La Pache. La Pache was informed the way we use retricler and the memory of cuts. So it's informed the way we cut our charity shop finds. It's inspired by movement, by dance. And I suppose it's a further exploration of the cortique in another shape or form. What it did was this wonderful shoulder line developed. That's my shoulder line of the season. Well, it almost looks like armor the idea of whether it's a set-in sleeve or a raglan sleeve, and then just from the nape of the neck to the shoulder, an incision that releases the shoulder pad and the top arm of the sleeve, so it just falls off the shoulder, so you create an almost like pyramidical silhouette with the shoulders that are slightly falling off. Then. The sleeve is disjointed from the sleeve head. So you start to break that coat down into these almost chivalrous proportions. All these pieces started their life as a classic staple from a menswear wardrobe, a a DB jacket, a single-breasted jacket, a trench, a car coat, a man's coat, uh, you know, all staples of a gentleman's wardrobe. Um, And each piece would inspire us As to how we would cut it at the same time i had come across these amazing marble statues wearing a veil they were so suggestive of fragility vulnerability they expose they conceal they're seductive and also sensual there's a modesty to wearing a veil hidden moral Values, there's also a humility. They're associated with rituals of death, marriage, birth, communion, confirmation, the veil. Two sculptors, um, Antonio Corradini and Raffaele Monti, and these amazing depictions of heroes, heroines with voilage, but all chiseled through marble and this idea that you'd have this mass of marble and then that the artist had this vision and chipping away, chipping away, to reveal this fragility. The craftsmanship is mesmerizing. This watery feel, the idea of things being wet, appealed to me. And how I would interpret this inspiration in this new technique. Working title Wet Look. (laughs) So, using the underpinnings of the language of couture fabrics, where we've created our own fabrics, been resourceful, and we've discovered kind of butter muslins, fabrics that would be used for soft tailoring, uh, like different canvases, super light, and then this is other stuff that's really light, like a thermal collante. So, discovering those underpinnings and actually working in a very honest way with them to chip away at our own collection and try to get some of some of that inspiration along with that you know how inspiration works i mean it comes from so many different fields and i guess going back to the blitz and hedonism and this feeling that through uh aspiration beauty there could be hope and the heroism, this idea of these mythological gods and goddesses and looking down at us from their heavens uh, started to fire my imagination even more. In the early 80s, unbeknown to me, discovered the bias through A technique I had developed back then called circular cutting, which is cutting things on the circular. So there are parts of those pattern pieces that do end up being on the bias. And and someone actually says, oh, John, that's on the bias. I was like, oh, really? I'm just cutting circles. That way of cutting became quite famous. I kind of revisited that again. I guess I felt strong uh, referencing myself, but taking it to somewhere new, I hope, um, because that way of cutting would help me to express some of the work you see on the beautiful draping. It was circular cutting tight to express um, anxiety, angst, suppressed, all the things we're feeling. Then circular cutting loose, sometimes in one garment too. And then the idea of layering another circular cut thing on top which disrupted the drapes underneath. And then there I was beginning to get the directions and feeling of some of these veiled statues. And the wet look, of course, through the circular cutting and if you do it on fabrics that are fine enough, like a tool, you start to get the shading and then the shading enhances the direction of the drape and it starts to look wet. So that is a dress. You put on and it looks like you've just come out of a wonderful orientalist bath or hammer or steam room or just stood under the most invigorating, rejuvenating waterfall. The prints, prints with purpose. So we created a print that you could read um, over layers and that the final layer would actually be a projection. So it was of the moment, ethereal, a magic, expressing movement over the volumes of the skirt. The first layer of the dress is like a digital red and the second layer is red organs and the final layer is black tool. And on the two layers we have red tape and on the red tool we have this almost silver tape. And the two together create this kind of movement and refraction of light. And the final layer is a quote in Torchlight by James Baldwin. The ripping of fabric, the speed with which a piece of toile is ripped or silk or satin, the unrolling of fabric rolls, how they clatter and clamber on the table. Scissors cutting through fabric, or scissors cutting through cardboard. Pins and needles through paper. A needle with thread passing through the fabric. The steam machine, a tracing wheel, a buttonhole machine, the tape measures. All the things of my trade to isolate them and to magnify them and that they could become the notes for a new aria, the sound of couture.